from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 552, Migrating Microsoft to DevOps, with guests Martin Woodward and Donovan Brown. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brennan. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm here in Orlando at Ignite, way up in the West buildings. This is 25,000 of your closest friends, and it takes a lot of space to actually do this. So we've been doing some hiking around, and I have two guests with me today. I have Donovan Brown, who's the Principal DevOps Manager on Microsoft's Cloud Developer Advocacy Team, where he focuses on Azure and Developer DevOps. Before joining Microsoft, Donovan spent seven years as a process consultant and certified Scrum Master. He's also the guy very prone to rubbing DevOps on things. <laughs> and my friend Martin Woodward, who is a Principal Program Manager for DevOps in Microsoft, focusing on Visual Studio Team Services. And before that, he was the Executive Director of the .NET Foundation, helping to drive Microsoft's move to open source. And I could go way back with you, sir, because I remember yeah. you pre-Microsoft, exactly. City Guys. Yeah, like, Team uh, team. Explore everywhere, yeah. team prize. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. were good days, too. Indeed. It's been a lot. I was just thinking, I was trying to remember if I've been here in this convention center as Microsoft or if it was back yeah. when I was uh, as a partner day. So, but yeah. back in the tech days, we didn't use the West Concourse. No. We used just the North and South Concourse because it was only 15,000 people. Correct. <laughs> Much smaller. But, Much smaller. <laughs> but if you, you got to see the main meal area in the North Concourse really? at lunchtime. It's massive. It's 15,000 people sitting down for lunch at the same time. It's, yeah, it is a logistical wonder that it works. to watch them feed all of those people in an hour. Yeah. It's really remarkable. Yeah. You know, we, I think it's, it's Microsoft's way of just making sure our customers stay healthy, you know, bring them here and make them do a boot camp, drag them around <laughs> all the miles. <laughs> You're you going to walk five, six miles. Like there's no two ways around it. Exactly. And to find a nice quiet room to record in, we are way at the far end of the West Concourse. So uh-huh. it is a, a bit of a hike. Super excited to have you guys on the show. I mean, we've, we've done Don and Rocks together before sure. in different forms. Now talking more of the IT conversation. And I think that, that the DevOps story is really strong. It's interesting to hear Microsoft implementing this technology. So what does that look like? What do you do to DevOps Microsoft? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long journey. <laughs> at least seven years we've been, we've been trying to move over. If you look at just the Visual Studio Team Services yeah. team, it's been about seven years. But uh-huh. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something you never stop doing. Yeah, right? this is we're, not we're a destination. Not yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, this is just at the point where we are in our evolution today. And we're constantly looking for ways to continually improve and accelerate our velocity. And it, it's a forever learning. It's just funny. I always say that DevOps is that one journey you begin knowing that there's no end. Right. And that's what excites you because you're just going to keep getting better and better. Now, I think, and I would argue you're always on that journey. It's just how well you're walking it. Uh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people problems that you have to deal with sure. over that, that slow you down more than anything else in, in my experience. So is, it, is this about helping the VSTS? team move, put new features into the field faster? Be a lot, have a lot greater velocity, mm-hmm. be able to deliver to the, the team a lot more. But it's also 
one of the key tenants of DevOps is to be a lot more customer focused. Mm -hmm. And so reshaping our teams. So there's no just building something and handing it to test and then handing it to ops to, to deliver. Yeah. No hucking over the wall. Exactly. Here. You own the feature all the way into production until the, into the customer's hands. And if there's a problem with that, when it's in the customer's hands, then you're on the hook to, to get on the call within five minutes during the working day or 15, 15 minutes, minutes after, at night. Yeah. And, oh, right. So the, you guys have internal SLAs. Right down to the dev teams yep. for operation side of a tool like VSTS. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because I'm always asked, because if we tell the transformation story, there was a period where we had the traditional developers throwing code over to the QA team. Sure. And we had a lot of problems, as, as you do when you have that scenario. And the velocity was just terrible. So what we did is we merged our dev and our ops into what we call engineers who are responsible for the quality and also the design of the application. Mm -hmm. And I always get asked, so how do you make developers good testers? Because historically, they're horrible. Yeah. I said, you wake them up. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Like you put that's a an pager on them and you wake them that's up. That's Adrian Crockcroft's line from way back in the early days of Netflix. When we started waking up devs at three in the morning for an outage, yeah, we went up a lot fewer outages. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what we've done on our Definitely. team as well. And also, when you um, when you make it their problem, like as engineers, we're always trying to automate things and route around failure. Right. And so, if, when you make it their problem that they're getting called up, then all of a sudden you start to find things are getting automated. Even the process of calling them is now automated. Yes, right. Exactly. So you find you get a lot more focus on running the service which is at the end of the day that's all customers care about is the site up or not they don't care right. how how many bugs you've got and oh, I'm, I should say that right how many <laughs> bugs you've got I like your bugs it's fine <laughs> and we've got the American the Canadian and the Irishman so is we've got it? a full range of the bug <laughs> pronunciation here but so we're talking about Visual Studio Team Systems yeah Visual Studio here. Team Services so that's source control that's project management build deployment package management test case management everything you need to turn an idea into a working piece of software right and so this is a bunch of different components you have to instrument them all yeah. to know who to call when there's a problem so i mean i i'm just we say that simple statement i think okay yeah. i need to be able to know all the different pieces of my software instrument them all know what unhealthy looks like yep. mm -hmm. and then know who to call that has a chance to actually do something about it hopefully before it's down like yeah, in, in my mind the modern help desk and we've done a few shows around this it's like i don't wait till the customer complains that something isn't working mm -hmm. i want to know as early as possible so that by the time a customer already notices, we're on it. I, I, I was on a call with Buck Hodges when he said those exact words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, says, he says, we hate whenever we have an issue in production, but the only satisfaction I get at all is that by the time I hear it from a customer, if it gets that far, right. my email back to them is that we're on it, we're aware, and we're fixing it. Not, sure. really? Because that's the worst last thing your customer wants <laughs> yeah. to know is that you didn't know that there was something wrong, right? Exactly. He wants to be able to tell you that we know what's wrong, we've done a root cause, and we're in the process of fixing it. Because we want to mitigate it as fast as we can. Yeah, ideally, it's already fixed by the time they even know. Oh, yeah, right? exactly. We're like, are you sure? Can you try that again? Oh, yeah, it's Just working. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that would be perfect, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I, like you were saying earlier, we actually want to know even before they know. Yeah. We don't want the email. We want to know that, oh, hey, queue times are going up. That's weird. So let's go ahead and scale out our build system so that we don't can bring those queue times down. Or, or why is it taking so long to load up our, our work I've got a really like good story about that that happened at the weekend. Oh, so, cool. um, there was, we were, again, looking at queue times, looking at the, you know, how the, the, a particular account was performing. Mm -hmm. That's one of the important things we do as well. We monitor SLAs per, per customer account. Okay. So not across the service. 
service because it turns out when you have a big service across multiple data centers with millions of users it's quite high to keep that oh, up sure. in high nines as long as you've got 10,000 people in the sub millisecond yeah. response time yeah. you can have one guy waiting five minutes yeah. and your overall average looks great but for so. that one guy he's having a terrible he's having experience. A terrible experience so we yeah. need to we need to monitor it per customer you know per customer account which is what we do and uh, they were monitoring they saw a particular customer account flag as you know the the performance was going right down right. and so that flagged an alert and the team started looking into it and they're like, what, what's going on with this account and they started digging in and went huh it's running a job a sort of api level job hmm. with admin rights and they've got warnings disabled and they're deleting a lot of data. That seems a bit odd. Mm. <laughs> and so they, they, uh, they page the person that is the customer champ for this particular customer because it was a, a big account. Right. So for our large accounts, we, we connect the product group directly to the customer as well, which you can talk about later on. They paged in the person who, who's the champ for the customer. He was like, who, what, what credentials is this running under? And he told him, okay, I know that guy. He's, <laughs> he's in Houston. It's 9.30 at night. But I have his cell phone number because we talk quite a lot. Wow. Now, let me give him a call. So he gave him a call and he's like, hey, I won't say his name on the show, you know, hey, good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that you're running a, an API job right now? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing a migration of our process templates this weekend. We're trying to migrate from one state to another. So, okay. okay. Do you know you're doing a destructive delete of all of your work items? At uh, which point the admin's like, <gasps> yeah. and we've all been there where yeah, you have that yeah. feeling of, yeah. oh no, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, we figured out what was going on. We, we killed the, the customer's job. I just want to stop for just a moment yeah. this customer was not unhappy this customer <laughs> was doing a job they thought was going just fine like yeah. you're actually saving his bacon right yeah. now it's like yeah. this thing is doing something you did not expect yeah and you're you're actually now, getting I can't promise that every time finished. no no, no. <laughs> it's, it's kind of an extraordinary moment yeah. it's just sort of when awesome. when tech support that you didn't think you needed calls you to go I don't think this is what you wanted. Yeah. Please confirm. And yeah. then we spend the weekend restoring that customer's data. Because it turns out when you do a delete, we don't really do a delete. Because no. deletes are really, really expensive to yeah. do. So we just mark it as, please delete when you get some free time, Mr. Yeah. Server. And so we just said, please don't delete this, yeah. Mr. <laughs> Server. <laughs> and, we, and then we started restoring it back. and Put it all back. Gotten, so so at least this, you know, the, the admin is still in a job Monday morning. Yeah. And the servers and none of the customers knew, you know. Yeah. So it was all good. But yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, we, we have lots of other ones. of When again, it's just, because it was so much work and it's such odd work yeah. that it, it sort of it came out of that huge mass of busy transactions going on it's like there's something really anomalous yeah. about this but there's lots of things to get there there's having the monitoring in place having the ops teams and people you know making sure those alerts are there right you, not having too many alerts that's what I was going to get yeah, to as always, well yeah, you the know, noise can sometimes like what's the force for the trees right yeah. if everything's a warning then I just ignore the you next one. You ignore them all. Well, that's right. a, you know the great thing about setting up something like operations manager. Yeah back in the day was it's either everything or nothing yeah. like actually getting that knob set just right that it's the things you really need to focus on i, I tell that to our, a lot of attendees to conferences all the time they always say oh you guys use a lot of telemetry what should i monitor i'm like well yeah. it depends on your service like yeah. it's, sure. it's not just a go do this and you're going to be okay what are you looking for where yeah. have you had problems in the past what's what's risky those are the places where you want to put the telemetry not too much because eventually it's just going to be you get blind yeah and you're not going to be able to do you need to set a baseline like do you have to determine yourself what's healthy so that you know what unhealthy looks like. You still like. have to t put the telemetry in first because if you're not yeah. measuring, you don't, yeah, you, you you don't even know what to do. You can't just guess what so it we, should be. I think yeah. we, we ingest about two petabytes of data a day now of all of our Looking what's going on the, the whole service. Yeah. Okay. And then from that, we, we bring up alerts. But it's it probably worth walking through what we call is a, a live site incident. Mm. It's probably, if we walk through that process, mm -hmm. 
And then, because part of the the end result of a live site incident is to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. So, yeah. So, do you want to start off with, Donovan, with, with like the whole, you know, wh- what happens, we get people on the bridge, all that sort of stuff? Uh, sure, because, like I said, how do you make them good testers is you you wake them up. Right. And as we described earlier, you have five minutes to get on a bridge if your pager goes off, your metaphorical pager goes off. Mm-hmm. And it's time for you to get on that bridge during working hours to make sure that we can start to mitigate that particular problem. Step number one is mitigate. You have to get the service back up, but you can't just reboot the machine. No. Because we have to do root cause analysis to ensure that it never mm-hmm. happens again. Yeah, so don't erase the history. Don't, yeah, you don't want to contaminate the, the crime scene. Because right. if you do by simply rebooting the machine, all you've guaranteed is that will happen again. Sure. Right? As soon as that scenario Can you happens. just freeze that crumb machine and stand up something else so you keep people operational? Quite often we'll take like a memory dump or something right. like that and then do some stuff. But often we're not rebooting machines. We'll take the memory dump and an- analyze where the problem is before we... We don't just switch things off and on again. No. Yes, yeah, because that, that we would literally lose all the data that well, we need to make just, sure it's not. You're destined to repeat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. Brian Harry is really keen on making sure that we diagnose the root cause. So right. first yeah. is mitigate, and then we do a root cause analysis, and then that root cause analysis, what comes out of that is work that goes into our product backlog to right. say, how are we going to guarantee that this never happens again? And then basically that gets scheduled for a sprint that we're going to go off and uh, yeah. produce. And what it is, has to be done within a sp- Two sprint rule, I think. Yeah, it I was is. Saying, what's yeah, the priority yeah, level yeah. of yeah. something found in production? It goes above features. Interesting. As, it, as well as should. Uh, yeah, it's just a question of how, you know, yeah. do you stop everything you're doing, fix this right now, yep. or it's like the next thing you do is yeah. this problem. Exactly. And, and we right. also have Brian Harry writing that blog post that yeah. comes out after every LSI, explaining yes. to the customer exactly what happened, trying to be as transparent as we can. I subscribe to that blog post. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. a lot it's, of people do. It's not happy-go-lucky. This is detailed analysis of individual problems of a huge product. Like it's, They're not easy to read, yeah. but it's a sense of confidence I get when I look at that thing. Of like, It's every day you find something and make it better. Absolutely. And I think it's also, you have to, everyone has different currency and it, and, and I, my pride is hurt when I have to read one of those as a team member. Right. right? And, and it makes me want to be that much better so that my boss doesn't have to write that blog post right because so i think it's interesting that he does that and i think it has some benefits that we might not even plan for it to have yeah not only is it being transparent and honest and describing it but it motivates us to make it's sure a very strong cultural that. statement right it is. we make our mistakes in public we apologize for them we fix them we make sure we don't make them again yeah. right well, we we are looking at our customers are engineers right so we can go into those deep level things so there is a certain you know we make sure that we we're not shifting blame or anything. We are saying, look, this is our fault. We right. know this isn't acceptable, but here's what really happened and here's the steps we're taking to do it. And you say you've read some of those. They're crazy. You know, you read yeah. them and this proper rocket science is going yeah, on. No, so. it's, uh, they're obscure. Yeah. Like, you're not fixing obvious bugs these days, my yeah. friend. You're getting into some really yeah, When you look at the service stuff. at the size of VSTS, yeah. just the way that we deploy it alone, it's... Yeah. it's it's unbelievable. I remember I was so fortunate. I, I wish I had recorded this. So Brian Hare and I were having a one-on-one. We were done in five minutes, but I don't get his undivided attention very often. So sure. I'm like, okay, I got another question for you. Next thing you know, we're in a whiteboard session of how we're deploying VSTS. My head is just exploding <laughs> yeah. by just the, the way we do our web services, the way we deploy our databases, how we do it in real time, how we change database schemas while it's running. It's just unbelievable engineering goes into being able to deploy our software the way that we do. I would love to have that as a show. I actually, oh, I have I have one of them recorded already. I do oh, a great. DevOps interview show, and I sure. had Manil 
sit down with me and explain to me how we do our databases and why we do them the way that we do, how we do our web services and how we do that. And he has to come back because the questions after that session were just like, you've just blown our mind. You can't leave it at that level. No, Bring him back and let's more. go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's just fascinating. But it did take us seven years to get there. When we oh, absolutely. F- when we did our first upgrade to the SDS, we had to, it was like it was like upgrading the iTunes store. We had to switch it off for a little while and switch it back on again, you know. Right. And then we got to the point where we were able to only switch individual customers off and bring them back on again. Interesting. And then... And so there's that point. rolling update effect. Yeah, we have done all this better. stuff in the e-commerce world. Right. I just can't yeah. imagine it for this software as a service yeah. feature. Web is one thing. Yeah. Source management, project yeah. management, like that to me is really interesting. So, you know, we would do it server by server because the servers were symmetrical. So yeah. the customer never knew they were just being shuffled around in different servers. But you pretty much have to turn off a customer for a little while and bring them back up no, again. We, we, we used to do we that. Used to. Oh, we don't, don't do that. Well, yeah, that we did not do that. Yes. 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 Brian Harry simply says there is never an excuse for our system to go down. Ever, 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 ever. So you have to engineer your software such that it can be upgraded while the person is using it. Nice. Worst case scenario is something that used to take you three milliseconds will take you a second right because you happen to catch it while we were doing that, that moment yeah. but you're not going to get an error you're not going to have to retry that now you're up, still upgrading customer to customer they just yeah. move to do, new bits yeah validate. basically we have several different rings right that we actually deploy in ring zero which is where vsts team actually is we're the first people to see it so sure. if anything's bad's going to happen none of our customers are actually no, going to see first. it yes and what's really interesting is because and i think this makes us very unique and special yeah. we are our own first customer of course yeah yeah you right, guys so, write source too right? yeah so literally we Visual Studio Team Services is tracked and built and versioned and deployed using Visual Studio Team Services. So for the first 24 hours of a new deployment, we're the only people using it. And if it can get through 24 hours of us using it on yeah. a daily basis, sure. there's a good chance that it's probably going to be okay. Good for everybody and if else. not, then we're the only ones that have to pay that price. We're not pushing that off on our customers. Yeah. We're dogfooding everything that we use, and we're the first ones to feel the pain if there is any. That's awesome. Which yeah. is really cool. Guys, give me one moment here to pay the bills. Have you looked at Google Cloud Platform yet? GCP supports Windows Server 2008, 2012, 2016, as well as SQL Server 2012, 2014, 2016 standard, web, and enterprise editions. Your developers can build their ASP.NET applications directly on Google Cloud Platform with Visual Studio integration. Prefer containers? Google Cloud Platform is the original Kubernetes container environment. And if you need help, GCP has a great set of partners, including Capgemini, Nudesic, and Magenic to help you get your workloads across. Go to gcp.runasradio.com to get your free trial today. And you're listening to Run As Radio. I'm here at Ignite with Donovan Brown and Martin Woodward talking about the journey mm. that the VSTS team took over. So it's from 2010 to 2017. Taking, yeah. Well, never, never. <laughs> <saw>. <laughs> exactly. Seven years into a journey. There you go. Yeah. Well, I also love, you know, in our first half, we had this conversation about you have had several versions of deployment getting yeah. better each time. Yeah. So, because you can't just jump to the ideal solution, or yeah. can you? I mean, why take those additional steps? We had to learn a lot along the way, and we had sure. to do a lot of engineering work. And if we'd waited until we'd done all that engineering work, we'd, it'd have been a seven-year wait with rubbishy systems. You know, what's interesting is that you say that. I remember I was talking to Buck about this, and he said, not only would that have put us way off yeah. into the future, we would have been wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Inevitably. Yes, it's taking says, too big a bite. Exactly. Yeah. And he said, what we thought we were going to do had we rewritten it for the cloud and where we are today look nothing like nice. we thought it was going yeah. to. And what we learned through the process of lifting and shifting yeah. TFS to the cloud, to Azure, and turning it on and seeing it fail. Yeah. We had to go in and start to fix that. But start what it looks like today is not what Buck thought it would have looked like had he been able to rewrite it from scratch at the point seven years ago, which sure. is really interesting. 
interesting. Yeah. This is where that agile mindset comes from, that we only learn by getting stuff in the field. Get that feedback. So take those little bites. Delivered just, like, into production, collecting telemetry. Right. That no proves guesses. or disproves the hypothesis, which, exactly. which is the reason why we did the thing in the first place. That's our definition of done. Mm-hmm. So it's in production, customers using it, collecting telemetry that proves or disproves the, the reason why we did that change. And so from an operations perspective, but there's no difference between development and operation at this point. Well, you guys are basically collaborating yeah. at all times. Collaborating, yes, there is still... So who there, writes the hypothesis? The th- Usually the feature PM, usually right. the person who's building the bit of software. So for example, let's let's take a, like a salesy one. You know, if we make this button 20% bigger, right. then we will get 50% more customers. Right. So that sort of, that Ca- sort of that's hypothesis. a classic e-commerce yeah, A-B exactly. test kind of mindset. And that's that but that's how we do with all of the features and everything we do it. So it's a it's a hypothesis we're making. Mm-hmm. And then you build it, you've got to prioritize that with your other things you want to go yeah, build. You many know? things being built. And then and then you go build it, you go deliver it, and you've also got to make sure what measurement am I going to take to know if I've done this or not. And yeah. quite often, that involves engineering work to be able to put the measurements in place. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's kind of... Well, I do you like, if you can't measure a new feature, why would you build it? Yeah. And how yeah. would you know if you've been successful? If it's yeah. actually good. I mean, I, whenever I define DevOps, one of the words I use is value. Yeah. I mean, it's continuous delivery of value. You can't just assume you delivered value. You have to measure something and prove to me that you delivered value. So if you don't measure, how do you know if you improved or decremented? I mean, you could have really done something really bad to your system, but if you didn't measure it, you're just guessing. Sure. No question. I just like the role that operations has in you get a validation of your hypothesis through operating the software. Yeah. Correct. There's no other way. So it's, it's an important part of the equation. But it's more than just telemetry. I mean, it's unfortunately when we're talking about team systems, there's a real recursiveness here about yeah. you guys make a tool for deploying software. Exactly. You also have to deploy that software using the software that that <laughs> deploys the same software. The yeah. Yeah. My brain will also, melt at some the point. The Azure team <laughs> use our software to build. They use VSTS to build Azure. Sure. And we're hosted on. Azure. Azure. Yes. And then, hang on a minute, the Windows team use VSTS to build Windows, which Azure use a lot of. <laughs> so it's like Inception. Yeah, yes. it is. It's, it's nuts. It's so pre- we do have a backup plan in case, or, you know, in case everything goes wrong. It involves computers buried in mountains. <laughs> That's right. But, well, I mean, yeah, because if you reference it, the one thing Inception taught us is that virtual machines running inside of virtual machines run slowly. Yeah. <laughs> well, unless you're in an M-series. We saw Corey's keynote yesterday. Those are not moving slow at all. <laughs> it was insane. The Windows team uses VSTS. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Are you talking, when I think about the oldest continuously developed products at Microsoft, mm-hmm. it's Windows, Office, Office. SQL Server. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I remember many, many years ago, I think it was over on .NET Rocks, we did a show talking about when Microsoft itself moved to starting using Studio. Mm. But it's interesting to hear you talk about team system, you know, the, the deployment side. Yeah. Because Windows... What a beast of a piece of software. Oh goodness, like, yeah. Huge. And we huge have thing. a lot more teams. It's interesting you talk about the Visual Studio case because obviously in my previous life trying to open source things that are inside the company. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the hardest problems, people just assume that there's already a Visual Studio project. You can click on and press F5 and you get Windows out the end. Sure. You know, that's, not, that's not how it works. <laughs> well, like, how many, I mean, thinking about uh, for years, people were asking that you open source Visual Basic because yeah. you're no longer developing. It's yeah. like, 
I don't know what the state of that source code is, much less the build system. Yeah, Open LiveWrite was a great eye-opener for me, you know, taking Open LiveWrite open and actually having to convert it from Microsoft's way of building things at that time. Internally, yeah. Internally into a, something which could be consumed and could be built on by people using retail bits yeah, of Visual Studio. built by anybody. So, so yeah. I could imagine the same, you know, Windows same is the worst case scenario in my mind, knowing can, nothing. Yeah, yeah, if we can do Windows, we can do anything. You can do yeah. anything. I remember the first time I heard Satya speak and I, when I became his like number one fan it was at an internal conference called tech ready it yeah. was tech ready 19 i was sitting in the front row so excited to see him and he said this quote that said we need to stop living this fake life where we write software for others we would not use ourselves and he was talking specifically about tfs and at that time visual studio online and that's statement. when the yeah exactly that's when the mandate for windows and office you are all coming go figure this out if the product's not good enough help us make it better exactly yeah, there's no other explanation exactly. we can't give this to our customers if we don't trust it and now yeah. we're trusting it on every major asset that we have that's really awesome it's very honest mm, very, yeah. yeah and you did, we did make some bunch of mistakes when we did that like you know the mandate came down you are doing this yeah and so windows at the time had like a two-year migration plan from where they were with a thing called product studio which was their bug tracking system that we used mm -hmm. into a different thing of product Studio. and then they were like now we're going to go to vsts and we're going to do it in two weeks time off you go <laughs> <laughs> okay two years seems awfully long and two weeks seems awfully fast exactly. <laughs> when you do that you end up saying yes to a whole lot of things you regret later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so we had a lot of tidying up to do you know we had like defects forms what is it berg forms with like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of fields because every oh single my. different team wanted one and we had to clear all those up we had state model diagrams and it was just terrible we we found that we did some metrics with our with the windows developers and we found like 40 percent of their time was being spent updating work item tracking systems not wow. coding and we're wow. like okay well we need to fix this yeah, and we need to sure. simplify there's coding and there's talking about coding yeah. you guys are talking about coding a lot <laughs> but doing that change across again a large company is interesting to do and it's a whole change management culture change exercise you've got to get buy-in from the business to do that and so they end up forming like what they call a Jedi Council over in the Windows team where interesting. all of the heads of the different engineering teams get together and agree about the process that they're going to follow and how we simplify it and they're constantly trying to and simplify I mean, I would respect that the process for Windows is going to be fairly unique. It's a huge, old product. I mean, they just have special, they do have, you know, special cases, mm -hmm. but a lot of their special cases are not are not the places where you expect it's more in places like their need to be able to work with hardware vendors and chip manufacturers sure, outside right. the company you know they're the interesting things actually how they do their work uh, everybody seems to think they're special and usually when you dig into it they're not. Really not there's just different. communication difficulties that have built up over the years that you need to tear down and try and get people working together as yeah, one team no, it's it, I mean, we, Donovan, you and I have talked about this a number of times in different environments, video yep. and audio and so forth. Like, this is culture, process, yeah. tools. Exactly. exactly. Right. I always say, I say the three Ps, people, process, and products. They yeah. have to come together. Yeah. And the people can sometimes be the toughest part to fix. It's always if the I've toughest been, part. Yeah, if I've been doing this for 20 years Well, even before way, you joined Microsoft, Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's not the tech. You know the tech no, can do the it. the tech works. It's the people. Exactly. We got to get the people. We have to convince them that it'll work. And yeah. No one likes change. I don't like change, mm -hmm. right? Let's just be honest. Even if I know the change is beneficial, I don't want to change what I've been doing because I, no. I know how to do this and I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to convince people that there's a benefit here. There's a there's something that you want time with your family, your weekends back. You don't want to wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. There's something that we need to turn that knob on that gets you to realize, okay, let me go and try this new way. You're right. It's better. But people, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I don't this like There's a strong argument for how big a hill it was to climb mm -hmm. to get 
windows over that hump. Yeah. Not to mention the technology challenges, yeah. right? Sure. Git did, simply did not work, right? Yeah, yeah. Git was not fast yeah, enough. We Git, had to come up the with our own code file base system. is a 270 gigabyte like, repo, you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, the Linux, which was the you know an extreme case of, of doing Git, right. is you know, 0.6 gig. So, right. I mean, an hour code base of the VSTS one is about 3 gig. Right. And, and so we had to do some... Here's like, this nearly 300 gig problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's lots of areas where that hits you. There's the raw getting the file system to support yeah. that with Git. And so we ended up creating a thing called GVFS, Git Virtual File System, which is all open source, as you would expect from the new Microsoft. Nice. And um, we're working with others to make Git add GVFS support to everywhere else. So we had to do that technologically. Yep. But there's also lots of things in terms of having that many engineers working on no, the Git agreed. repository at one time. Having, it turns out, Git, when you get to over a thousand branches, starts to slow down in performance. You think? <laughs> when you've got four or five thousand developers working on a product, it's very easy to get to 10,000 branches very quickly. Sure. The product just stops. And so then we ended up building a bunch of features into VSTS to help that case. So we basically now, we don't give you all your branches. We give you branches that you created or right. that you've favorited or what your team has favorited. So it's like a selective branch. You, you, now you basically need a hierarchy of the team yeah. to say, okay, well, I know you want to care about everybody, but we're going to have to have you only care about a hundred. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you can go say, actually, no, I do care about maybe yeah, those you know, you're on the there. notepad team and you want to go care about the calcs team's sure. branches. You can do that yeah, but yeah. just by favoriting them. Yeah. And then now you get to see all the branches in your workspace that's interesting yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, that it's is not a normal time. problem no. but it i i kind of like that you you hit this high watermark so it's like if i get there with one of my projects yeah. i won't be treading on untread ground yeah, like, exactly. you guys have gone through we're gonna go through we're gonna go to any customer with confidence that we can do youtube yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once we get through windows we and, windows and work. office and it's like yeah, yeah come on well, well, we've like seen said, it all now this is a journey right absolutely I mean, it, windows is now depending on vsts yep at this yep. particular moment yeah. i mean what's next for them like they they get faster or well, to, to be completely fastest, yeah to be completely transparent there's portions of VSTS that they're using there's right. portions of it they're not sure right so they're not 100% and no. and we're and as we had to fix mm-hmm. git we're also fixing other areas of the product to make right. sure it can scale to the size of a Windows, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think build. I think build is where we're. Yeah. So it's, you always go where the pain's the worst. Sure. sure. So to begin sure. with, it was work items, and then we got them over there. Then right. it was Git. source control. Yeah. So yeah. we moved them over to Git, and now it's yeah builds. Is you know because it, it when I first went over to the Windows team, it was taking like nineteen hours to do a build, and so wow. and that's a build that doesn't change anything. <laughs> right. that's a build where I've literally changed the comment and right. hit build again and it still takes 19 hours. 19 hours so there's lots of things we need to do there in terms of like incremental builds yep. and you know we want builds that scale I don't mind if it takes 19 hours if I've changed the entire code base sure I want a build that scales based on the amount of change I've got and I want to be able to do massively distributed and most of the time like I mean most projects it doesn't matter just rebuild the whole thing no yeah. big deal but, yeah. Yeah, but not an operating system like Windows there right? are certain yeah. classes of project where it's like no I think we should be able to do an incremental bill. It was yeah. it was funny. I, I met with Bill Gates. What was it? Two weeks ago? Three weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, about maybe? three weeks. Yeah, yeah. And this and this came up, right? So he says, "Is the Windows team on on VSTS?" We said, "Yes, they are." And yes, sir. And their, and their builds. And said, "Well, not their builds." He's like, "Why is that?" And we talked about incremental bills. And he's just like. We do this every five years. Like we go through the same fight. He's like, he started just like reminiscing on we had him doing incremental builds and then they got one away from it for dependencies and now we're back. And he's just like, when are we finally going to get this and just be done with it? It was just hilarious to hear, like instantly see the history of when Windows. We're talking about a guy who's been fighting this. He's been there from the beginning. 1980? Yeah, he's you know? been there from the beginning. So, so it was, it was cool to see Bill just yeah, say 30 years. Just like roll his eyes on incremental builds. Like really, is this where we're, we're back here again? Exactly. We're doing we're this We're doing again? machine learning and quantum <laughs> exactly. computing and we still 
I've got, I've got incremental builds. Yeah, exactly. Out. Like we, we always fix it over and over again. Like, yeah, 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 we're going to get it right one of these times. I well, promise. and I mean, in some ways, Moore's law makes that problem go away every so often, right? It's like if you're fast enough, if it wasn't 19 hours, if it was 1.9 minutes, yeah. you just build the whole thing. Exactly. And, you know, give me three or four TikToks, maybe I can get you there, yeah. right? What's the new Chinese computer pulling down 95 petaflops? Yeah, so let's go build over there. Right, right. <laughs> but right. it is, and you've got to, we're now moving to a point where we're not relying on Moore's law, though. We're relying on the, the numbers of, you know, the numbers of transistors outside of the processor. Sure. And so that's where, it's again, we're, we're solving and- exactly where we have, where we're treating infrastructure as a flexible resource yeah. and being able to use the cloud. But traditionally, build hasn't been able to scale off a machine very well. So no. that's one of the things that we're trying to do is help it scale so we can throw more tin at, at the problem still. And as again, well. you're, you're going to raise a bar for any projects I've got coming in the future yeah. saying, well, if you get here, don't worry. We've you're figured you're out not the first build. person on this journey. Yeah, right. you guys are, are sort of blazing ground with some hard mm-hmm. projects. Yeah. Well, I really enjoy this conversation. It's really fun to see what Microsoft's doing you know, with the stuff that they're selling to us and, and you know, eating the dog food in a very robust way, including in a cultural way yes that to me is then no small feat for a very large company with some really entrenched developers and and also it's like folks that have been working on these products for decades yes like that's got to be a real some point one of you had to talk to dave cutler i swear <laughs> and that must have been an experience i haven't had that privilege no, no, it wasn't one of us. I got, it was over on that team i've been in, i've been around that team but i haven't had that privilege yet yeah. but uh yeah no, guy, the guy who wrote the kernel for nt like yeah he, he's a he's a he's a character say. <laughs> and a legend too oh, yeah. so oh, like when sure. i think about the personalities that you're you're dealing with for for something that's one of the privileges of working windows. at a place like microsoft as I'm well totally so. with you yeah it's the visit it's the, an organization with the I think have I said this before to you Richard it's the the greatest standard deviation of intelligence of anywhere I've worked at. I've never heard that but that's <laughs> okay. a great line Martin I love it's, it we've got all the same idiots you've got everywhere in every company <laughs> everybody does but then like you literally like you you know you got to have a sit down and chat to Bill Gates yes. you know you're sitting you're having dinner one day and like I remember going down the table talking to people hi I'm such and such hi I'm such and such and then I turn around to some guy and goes you know in my worst Sean Connery impression but anyway hi I'm Anders Halsberg <laughs> and I'm like yeah I know yes. <laughs> we all know Anders we all know yeah and Jeff Snover oh yeah. my god Just Jeffrey is the coolest guy in the world yeah. I remember when he saw me I was at a QFC it's a grocery store in Seattle Sure. You just hear, hey, Donovan, and it's Jeffrey's like, what? Is this my life? Did yeah. Jeffrey just recognize me in a freaking QFC? This is awesome. Well, and, and Brian Harry, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's the softest spoken, most intelligent people I've ever dealt with. Yeah. And worked, you know, VSS. Yeah. Yep. He worked legacy. in .NET for a while yeah. and then came with VSTS. Like, it's just an extraordinary history. And it work. is really interesting to see the culture of these people how it infects the organizations on sure. so, yeah. like, especially things like the transparency, the honesty, the high integrity, you know, all these things which you see it permeate through the whole organization. Awesome. When you see people like Guthrie doing massive, you know, keynote demos and all this sort yeah. of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's doing the red shirt yeah. tour and that's like five hours of him doing demos. Yeah. He does like 42 demos in a row. He loves it's like, it. Come on, man. Yeah, like, I can't that's do a that. machine. I need it. Makes us all look weak. It's yeah. horrible, right? I was like, well, how does he do that? Man? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, anyway. in, it's intense. Martin, Donovan, thank you so much for coming on Run As. Always. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.